Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. This is Chef Tom Douglas, and I'm joined today uh, because Mr. Roturo, the chef in the chapeau, has ditched us for his mother in France and for maybe a slow roll down a Rhone River. I'm not exactly sure. So jealous. What so river is he on? Do we know? I do not know. You do not know. Anyway, I have, uh, I have been joined by uh, someone very close to me. <laughs> Uh, we only speak really because she's the mother of my grandson, Hercules. Uh, I've really been demoted. (laughs) uh, But uh, anyway, so Loretta Douglas is joining me. So nice to be here. As my co-host today. Uh, Very excited about this. We're going to get into some um, very personal stories about (laughs) how how and what to make for baby food for young Hercules. Because, you know, he does have the strength of 10 ordinary babies uh, with iron in his thighs and fire in his eyes. He's Indeed. the mighty Hercules. <laughs> da, 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 da. He uh, is mighty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we saw that in the bathtub the other night. Um, you're listening to Hot Stove Society Radio on Cairo, of course. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you're uh, listening to us on YouTube or you're joining us right here in the studio, you know, we do invite guests to come in and have a breakfast sandwich with us and hot coffee right here in the Hot Stove Society kitchen studio on friday mornings from 9 to 11 so come on down sometime hang out in the chic hotel andra uh, which is uh, always fun and you could even pop in if you prefer or even after you have your breakfast sandwich you could pop into the dahlia bakery for a sweet or go into lola for lunch or have a pizza mid-afternoon make a day uh, on your trip to downtown seattle go to hotstovesociety.com and please please join us or just look us up on youtube uh, Pam, how do people find us on YouTube? It's Tom Douglas something. I can never remember. <laughs> it's really easy. Tom Douglas and Co. And Co. And it comes right up because we have enough followers now. Yay! Yay! Love it. Uh, we have so many things to talk about today. It's peak of the season spot prawns, which uh, we had for dinner last night in a little lemony herb risotto. Oh, so good. Oh, that's Loretta had some. She had a, we had a little pile. Spectacular. We kind of we made them peel and eat. You know, I like to cook them in a searing hot pan with garlic and chilies and and then. Uh, but I cook them in the shell because the shell has so much flavor. Uh, so we're going to talk about that later in the show. Beef it up, author Jessica Formicola calls in to talk about her new book and some mouth watering recipes. This is a stunner that you picked this book for me, Pam. Carrie Bachman led us to oh, it. Oh, Carrie Bachman, my old publicist. Exactly. Oh, okay. Because she does you, such a good. You're job. not the biggest red meat person, although you eat it. I eat it, but you're, I was surprised. I had a Denver steak last night. Okay. Did you really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've mastered the reverse sear. Mm, Just really? saying. Mm-hmm. So you sous vide it? Reverse sear. No, I start it warm in the oven and then. Oh, I see. Hot sear. Not without the sous vide. Wow. Feeding Rory, or, or Hercules, whatever you want to call him. Loretta and I are going to discuss uh, uh, maybe your childhood memories of eating in a, in a household that had bits of everything and how you're attempting to uh, develop Rory's palate. Uh, the food press is obsessed with Old Bay seasoning and now Old Bay goldfish. You know, just last year at this time, it was Old Bay hot sauce. Um, so Pepperidge Farm... Uh, goldfish are now coming in an Old Bay version, and we're going to decide what all the fuss is about. I've already snuck a bite of the Old Bay ones. Sorry, oh. I didn't mean oh. to get it, but we also have the Megabytes. 
Sharp cheddar, pizza bites, multicolored goldfish? Just not right. Oh, my God. It's not right. How can you call them goldfish if they're red? And they make a big deal about it be, the colors being from plants. <laughs> Natural coloring. <laughs> Great. Asparagus and morels go together perfectly. We're going to... That's a, that's a spring go-to. And lastly, at the end of the day, at the end of this uh, two hours of greatness, we're going to do our Rub With Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge. And um, I'm, I'm so, so looking you forward to crushing <laughs> my daughter. You know, these youngsters these days, they crushing. think they're, they're so wow. smart just because they have like a, a lawyer's education. And I'm just, smart. A, I'm just a lowly cook off the line. And they think they're so smart. But today, we're going to turn the tables a bit. We'll see about that. We'll see about the guy who barely made it out of high school compared to the woman who's got a law degree uh, and see who wins that battle. So first, let's go to Taste of the Week. Uh, Mine comes right off the top of my head because we were entertaining some of our managers over in Prosser at the farm this uh, last weekend, and we put a goat on the rotisserie, mm. first time I've used the ro- the big the big animal rotisserie out there in a the long grill time. Master, yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece of equipment. Uh, we put the goat on the rotisserie at about one thirty, and started basting it at about uh, maybe four thirty, and then pulled it off at seven for a seven thirty dinner. Let it rest for a half hour. It was it was on low coals for the last hour or two, and uh, you know. I think about that goat like I do when you go to St. Demetrius' uh, Greek festival where they do the, the really kind of well-done, slow-roasted lambs, and uh, they just are almost at that point where they fall off the bone. And this goat was past that point, but then re because it was on long enough, it kind of refirmed up. Mm. So it was very much during done. During the rest. Yeah, during the, well, during the rest and during that slow-motion time uh-huh. on the, over the coal. So Loretta had some. What did you think of the goat? It was delicious. I, you know, we ended up doing it two ways because this one skinny goat was not quite uh, large enough to feed our whole. Well, we didn't think it was going to be large enough. Turns out it would have been plenty. Yeah, it probably would have been enough. But uh, so we also had goat pieces uh, that some of our team wrapped in banana leaf and put in the wood fire oven that we have out there. Mm -hmm. We have like a little pizza oven, um, and then pulled out and picked and um we kept them separate to do a little taste test and i ended up preferring the banana leaf i did too goat, oh, no i, I, I prefer the, the, the rotisserie because yeah. it had more texture yeah the banana leaf uh, it was roasted long enough that it kind of broke down a little bit yeah more like shred you know shredded chicken and the idea is we were going to make we made fresh tortillas we were making taco meat basically for tortillas but uh, yeah it was very different so just different flavor, I thought. I thought it was super interesting how different they tasted, uh-huh. given, you know, same animal and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, it's delicious. And what's your taste of the week? My taste of the week comes from the night before when uh, we were out at the farm just as a family. And my lovely father brought some first of the season Copper River sockeye out and um, cooked it. I will give him perfectly with a uh, burr blanc and some crispy morels. Burr rosé. Burr rosé. <laughs> crispy morels, fresh asparagus, baked potato. It was truly, uh, it f- tasted like spring. It was, yeah. fish was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, delicious. we had done our big uh, salmon benefit out at the dock over the weekend, grilling for good and sold all of our tickets. But 
about uh, 12 people didn't show, even though they bought tickets. So we had 12 extra pieces that I took to the farm. I reached us. the benefits yes. for sure. It was and, spectacular. Uh, the um, wine sauce was delicious, but what was nice, I probably was wouldn't be too lazy to do the morels separately. I would have put them in the butter sauce. But it was really nice to have the roasted morels kind of crispy edged as a garnish for the sauce on the salmon mm. so that it added its own kind of texture. That was that was a good good call. I think that was your call or your mother's call. I don't My remember. My mother's call, I think. Yeah. She loves separate components, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the one who grew up. Just everything on her plate had to be separated. <laughs> Couldn't handle. Is, are you still that way? I don't love it. I don't love my food to touch. Yeah. I like my ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you just bento boxes. Yeah, exactly. So I could. I the- love Rory has the little separated plates, and I secretly you wish that I just had those yeah, for exactly. every meal. All right. Spot prawns coming our way. We had those uh, last night for supper. I'll give you an idea how to cook them uh, lots of different ways, but uh, they are delicious. Just saying. When we come back on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right, we're back in the kitchen. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. We're coming to you live from the our studios right here in downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia, in the Hotel Andre. If you find Lola, just walk in and go upstairs, and you'll find our Hot Stove Society kitchens. I'm joined by Loretta Douglas, my daughter, here today, taking Terry's spot as he's hanging out with his mother over in the Nant, the Nant area. We've been there, you know. We've been oh, to really? that area. Yeah, not not to his mom's house, but... That was when uh, we stayed for in that beautiful old house, Turin d'Anjou, that uh, little town. and um, Chateau Dufay? No, no, no. That's over oh, in okay. Burgundy. But yeah, you've been there. Okay. I and trust And you've you. been in Nantes. And Pam and I were in Nantes. And we, uh, we shopped We ate a lot of that. goat cheese. Yeah, we shopped at that beautiful. You remember the name of the cheese shop that we went to no, that was so was perfect? Called the Gem so- Store. So perfect. Isn't that a perfect name? Because they, they put their cheeses in little... You know, when you go to a jewelry store... Everything's displayed, and then they have the drawer kind of comes out, and they can Gorgeous. show you a ring, or they can show you a ring. Well, that's what they had for their cheeses. Just one perfect little wedge of ripe cheese mm. of all the different Better ones. Better than a jewelry store in our oh, family. No, oh, no my kidding. God. <laughs> Spectacular. Okay, it's spot prom season. Uh, we got some. I want to say Jackie got them last night at the fish store at 80th and 24th. Fresh up there, fish. Your, your fresh fish, your favorite place. Uh, she might have got them at Wild Salmon. Now that now that oh, sounds to yeah, me like she got them at Wild Salmon, the Wild Salmon Fish Market down fish at market. Fisherman's Terminal. Which, by the way, I was in again yesterday, and what a treat to walk around the docks and it just feels like Northwest down at that little that area. You should, if you haven't been there lately, go spend a minute at the Fisherman's Memorial. Go walk the docks of the commercial fishing boats. It is spectacular. Have a little. Uh, Crazy breakfast at the Bay Cafe, a little fish and chips at Chinooks, you name it. There's so much fun stuff down there. And the hidden, the hidden gem is the Highliner Tavern right around the back corner. You don't really see it. You ever go to the Highliner? Oh, no, haven't in years. Highliner yeah. Public House? Yeah. It's good. We it's, had delicious fish tacos there. Yeah, I get the little shrimp Louie for lunch there. Yeah. Uh, spot prawns. Uh, last night we had them at uh, Loretta's house. Uh, we... Uh, your mom made a beautiful herb, lemon, parmesan risotto, and uh, we put, uh, I, in a wok, I used your wok, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but you have a nice, uh, uh, your, your stove gets hot, but not super hot, so you have to be very patient, because if you're going to do this correctly, it has to have a super smoking hot pan, and then I put in olive oil and 
at the last minute, because I didn't want it to burn, I put in a little slab of butter. <laughs> and so that immediately foams up in the olive oil, and I had butterflied my spot prawns. And typically on spot prawns, uh, if they don't have a big egg gathering on the bottom of their little fins, then I'll just butterfly them and just pan saute them or wok sear them just like that. little garlic, a little chili, uh, fresh diced jalapeno is fun in there, but... Uh, a red chili is fine. You just have to add that a little bit later because it burns really fast. Um, and then uh, just did that stir fry. And boy, was your son happy to see flames coming flames out. Flames of- shooting up. Rory's eyes are like little saucers watching it. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, he just, uh, he loved that. And, and that happens just between the hot fat. That's when you know your pan's hot enough. The spray of the hot fat meeting the, the gas flame that heats up. I didn't have to add alcohol or anything of that nature. And then just to squeeze a lemon right before they're done, you pop them out. They take two minutes to cook at the well, most. Well, I thought the interesting thing that you taught me last night was you did them in batches. Yeah. To, oh, good call. Yeah, not so that they actually got enough heat. Right, because if, you, if I had poured all those in at the same time, you would have had steam prawns. Yeah. Yeah. It made a big difference, and they came because out Because on that particular prawn, when you go to eat it, what do you do? The shell is on, right? I butterflied it, but the, so it's easy to peel, but the shell is on, which is a lot of the flavor of a spot prawn. Then you suck all the juices off the shell, mm. and then you just reach inside the butterfly, pinch with your left hand at the tail, and pull out that whole prawn that's cooked and, and um, oh, it's quite delicious. You butterfly with scissors, or are you going in with a knife to get the vein? Well, on the spot prawns, you don't have the vein problem. Okay. I'm sure it's there, but it doesn't. I, they must feed in a different way because, you know, regular prawns have the vein. It's not really a vein. It's the poop chute, <laughs> right? But, and they feed off the bottom so that what's in the poop chute is very sandy. And that's why you really have to get rid of that in wild-caught prawns, especially the ones from the Sea of Cortez and things like that down uh, Ecuador area. So with these, they must feed in a, in a much different kind of way because they don't have any of those issues and uh, you just simply, I take a serrated knife because it's easier to cut through the shell. And I just go off that backside of the prawn and they, you know, butterfly open. Now, if they do have their egg sacs, they, all the egg connected. And I believe it's the male shrimp that carries the eggs, if I'm not mistaken. I know that's an odd thing. But uh, uh, if they do have all of that, what I like to do is I'll do that same butterfly along the back of the shell. And then I'll push the eggs up through the shell. So that they can get to the heat. And that I can do on a charcoal grill really hot or under the broiler really hot. And they get the, the eggs get a little bit crispy. So it's a, it's a fun way to kind of play around with those. Everyone's catching them right now. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about them featured several. I've heard them featured several different places yeah. right now. So it definitely yeah. seems like they're coming in. And they're not cheap. Uh, one of the interesting things, like when you go to some sushi bars, you'll see on the on the sushi bar, like over at uh, Shiki restaurant at the base of Queen Anne, you'll see a live tank, like an aquarium, on the bar itself. And then there's spot prawns are swimming around in it, like you might see in a live tank at Wajamaya or at, uh, you know, Mutual Fish or anywhere that has a live tank. You'll see, uh, Shoreline Central Market mm-hmm. had them. When you see them at Shiki, <laughs> you, if you order the spot prawn nigiri, which is the one that comes with a little roll of rice and then the fish on top of it, uh, he literally pulls them out of the tank, pinches the head off, and uh, peels it and puts it on. And they are still a little bit, you know, the wiggly. Nerve, it's still a little bit They're wiggly. They're still a little wiggly. Yeah. 
And what's important about all that is, I mean, they're delicious and it's fast. I mean, it's I, uh, if you're going to eat something like that, it's probably the best way to go is just to be over like that. Uh, the important part about that is if the spot prawns die with their head still on, uh, the enzymes from their, their body fluids makes the tail meat mush. Yeah, so when you mush. get a mushy one in your batch, I learned last night, it's likely because they died with the head still on rather mm-hmm. than died that when you... That is some deep science. Ah. Well, I don't know the science about <laughs> it. I just know the result uh, is that it turns to mush. And sometimes when you're going through a batch of... Like last night, we had maybe b- between the four of us, 50 or 60 spot prawns. I think there were two mushy ones. Mm. And it just means that they, they, they died oh, quite a bit before they got to the other ones. And you'll see if you're going to freeze spot prawns, go out and catch them in a trap. Uh, you basically, when you get them, you just uh, twist the head off, and now you just uh, save the tail, and you're, you're good. But while they're alive, right? Yes. And it won't hurt you to eat them. It's just... Texturally, Texturally somewhat yeah. unpleasant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other thing I love to do is I'll, I'll butterfly them out and push that egg sac up through the center and just brush them with a little bit of brown butter and lemon juice. Put them under the broiler. The thing is, you, you it's not the prawn that you want to go crazy on seasoning because they're very lightly flavored. Just the way yeah, I it's, it's the same as I for me at least with the beautiful Copper River sockeye that yeah. we had. You know, you just want to enhance their perfect light flavor and not mm-hmm. overpower it yeah and that sockeye we did just uh i mean a so- uh, sockeye is so thin it just takes a minute or two to grill we did it on the wood fire and a little bit smoky a little bit delicious a lot delicious i uh splurged on the king last week at oh. central market uh-huh. only 85 dollars a pound <laughs> yeah uh, a bargain <laughs> on the copper river king yeah on the copper river and- king uh, delicious, but probably for me, I might just stay with the wild Alaska King. Yeah. Or our Washington. But very happy to see that Copper River got some uh, additional protection this week from yes, the EPA. that was Bristol great Bay. news. Uh, I mean, Bristol Bay. Yeah. So more attention to our salmon sources. Yeah, I agree. All right, just in time uh, to finish up National Beef Month, uh, we are going to talk about Beef It Up, a new book by Jessica Formicola, and uh, all about the versatility of beef. That's the feeling of like a... Magazine. Magazine. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right, we're back here in the Hot Stove Society kitchen on Cairo Radio. It's the uh, my partner and operating officer of the Tom Douglas Restaurant Group. What are we now, TD and Co? TD and Co is uh, coming. Special preview. Special preview. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Loretta Douglas is uh, sitting in for Mr. Terry Roturo today, who is uh, visiting mom in France and then uh, hosting a river cruise. Down the Rhone, I believe. Thanks for the invite, Terry. Yeah, Jeez. exactly. And uh, so uh, we're going to miss him for three weeks. We have a couple of different guest hosts sitting in. And I'll tell you, uh, last week I had... Uh, well, I, I'm not going to get into that now because I want to I spend our time with Jessica. Jessica Formicola is here. She's got a book out called Beef It Up, 50 Mouthwatering Recipes for Ground Beef, Steaks, stew, Stews, Roast, and Ribs, and More... And Jessica, welcome to our show. That looks fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And how does a how does a girl from Baltimore who's grown up around crab cakes end up writing a beef it up book? 
Well, I'm not originally from Baltimore, so that's oh. part of it. I'm originally from Colorado, where we're very heavy on beef. Oh, but, yes. That explains um, everything. Yeah. I started working with Certified Angus Beef Brand many years ago when I was just blogging and food writing, and I became a brand ambassador for them. And I was invited to their test kitchens and to meet the cattle ranchers that they work with. And I really developed a love and respect for the cattle ranching industry as well as beef. And it grew into making a book about beef, which was really natural and very genuine. I had a couple of cookbook offers before this that just didn't weren't a good fit. And beef ended up being that great fit for me. So I'm really excited to have written it and promote it. It was actually two times longer than it is right now. We had to cut half of it because I was just so excited about beef. That is very funny. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lot of beef recipes if you have a hundred in there originally. I had 120. Wow. And now it's 50 beef recipes. And I like to say I snuck in a few bonuses in the way of compound butters and sauces, but Mm. they still kept it at 50 for the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about some of your favorites. Uh, There's some, when you read through it, it reminds me a little bit. uh, There's some old fashioned recipes like beef and uh, pea stroganoff, things that maybe people have forgotten how to make at home that used to be standards. They have. They, you know, popular in like the 1950s was a jello mold, right? Mm -hmm. These are. A lot of comfort classics, but they have new modern twists on them. And it's not anything that ingredients that are weird that you're going to have to source. It's just more the cooking technique. So, for instance, we do a Salisbury steak, but we do it with a caramelized onion gravy to to elevate it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or we take pad thai and use beef instead of chicken or shrimp. Or one of my other favorites is the shepherd's pie mac and cheese. So we take these two classic comfort foods. And the thing about shepherd's pie I always eat is pie crust, like my my enemy in the the kitchen is pie crust. So we use mac and cheese and combine it with the shepherd's pie filling and bake it for this awesome one-dish meal that's totally family-friendly. Who wouldn't want to serve that? Mm -hmm. And so you don't do like the whole potato top or anything like that on it? Nope. nope. We use mac and cheese with like a, an awesome white cheddar. Mm, sounds sounds delicious. delicious. How was the cookbook writing process and what ended up being the final cookbook? How was it influenced by your long time as a food blogger and, and writer? I used recipes that I knew were still in the rotation. So as a food blogger, we do a lot with what's called SEO, search engine optimization. And I know it's totally technical and boring, but I have a, a system that I use software that looks, that can tell me how many people are Googling recipes. And even though there's a lot of folks moving towards veganism and vegetarianism, what Google showed me is that there are still a lot of people out there Googling beef recipes. And I think that they liked the nostalgia, especially during COVID times where people were at home cooking. They wanted to cook some of these recipes they remembered from their childhood, and they were still looking them up. You can tell that people are still eating beef. So I wanted to include a lot of recipes that would intrigue people that I knew people would want to make, but also think a little bit outside of the box. So we have an entire chapter on steaks. We have an entire chapter on soups. And again, fun things like breaking, deconstructing a cheeseburger and making it into a soup, stuff like that. You know, when you go to the All Recipes website, they also rate rest, uh, recipes on their popularity, which I'm always amazed at some of the you know most simple things. I do a little TV segment here for one of the local channels, and uh, my most popular video over the last 10 years was how to make a homemade corn dog. 
It's like you just never know what's going to turn people on to like. I love a good homemade corn dog. You just <laughs> it's great. love it. I can't wait for the state fair. That's like the one time a year I get one. Exactly. So good. <laughs> you know, one section in your book that really to me represents 2020. Uh, and somehow I go back to uh, either the taco salad or the, the Vietnamese beef salad. But uh, steak salads, beef salads are really a, a popular way to have to consume beef, which when I was growing up, that just never was on, in the repertoire of anywhere I ever went. No, but, you know, nowadays when we're all kind of focused on a healthy lifestyle and everybody's version of that is different, right? I think of it as, in in my family, just less processed foods. And beef is one single ingredient. So it is still in my rotation for really high, good quality proteins. And right now, beef is actually less expensive than a lot of the other proteins. But I also want to pair that with a lot of vegetables. I love color. I tell my kids they're two and four. We need to eat the rainbow. So why not make it into salads? And salads also don't have to be just lettuce bases. We, my favorite one in there is actually a Brussels sprout salad. We roast Brussels sprouts and potatoes and use that as the base and then make this really zingy, tangy lemon vinaigrette dressing with a lot of garlic. And it's just perfect. Yeah. And one of the entree or an, or an appetizer. Yeah. And one of the great things about that is that uh, instead of sitting down to a 16 ounce steak with a butter laden baked potato, you're actually your steak quantity goes down to four ounces. And really the base of the salad is much more the center of the plate. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very focused on portion size. You're talking about your friend that's in France, you know, who travels throughout Europe or we're Italian going to Italy. You know, you don't get a pound of pasta in your dish. You can eat these things with, as long as you do it in moderation and beef the same way. And there are a lot of really great lean cuts or great ways to make fattier cuts as long as it's in moderation. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on the whole Wagyu beef issue and prime and choice and, you know, people chasing around what they are, you know, whether it's grass fed or uh, grain fed or grain finished or, you know, all those kind of things. Do you have a theory of uh, what you like to chase down when it comes to the quality you want to serve your family? So I have literally sat down and done taste tests side by side on multiple occasions where people have kind of bet me that there'd be a difference. And I honestly, the biggest difference I find is with corn fed, corn finished and the genetics of, of the cow, like the black Angus or, or a certified Angus beef versus other things. Wagyu, I think it gets labeled a lot and it's mostly American. It's not actual Japanese. When you go, now I've had, I've been to Japan and had it over there and it is very different. The quality of marbling is just amazing. But there really isn't a huge difference in flavor. It would be more on the marbleization and that isn't that's more to do with diet and genetics of the cattle than it has to do with the, the prime and select and all mm -hmm. these things. But I also think that you can take, as long as you know how to work with beef, and we've got a great chart in the front of the book that's demystifying beef cuts and tells you how to best prepare each cut. If you know how to prepare that cut, you can choose a select or a choice cut. It doesn't have to be prime and make an amazing meal out of it. It's just knowing how to give it the extra TLC to make it super tender and bring out and brighten the natural flavors. Mm -hmm. I also think it's important. Uh, you had uh, some of our burgers, Loretta, when I made uh, lunch burgers on Monday at the farm. Uh, we bought a uh, half a steer for our freezer like we do every year, but this time we bought a Wagyu steer, 
And uh, mm-hmm. the burger was so fatty that it caught on fire on my grill and literally half melted away before I could even get it turned uh, on the grill. And sometimes, you know, with a product like that, you have to think of a different way to use it. I mean, this is the first time I had thought out and used this uh, with this cow, but uh, it yeah, was not it was troublesome. Better, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's not always better knowing the right fat content to be, especially for a really good burger. I usually go for an 80 20 split, but you can't go too lean either, right? You go too lean and it falls apart. It's really finding that sweet spot in the middle. Mm -hmm. I I need to know more about the 41 clove beef recipe because everything you say in the book is that it's very balanced and not overpoweringly garlicky, but how do you do that with 41 cloves of garlic in there? All right, Jessica, we only have 30 seconds for that, so make that one. Okay, well, garlic, much like onions, you can caramelize it, and it tampers down the flavor of that deep onion, so it gets a little bit sweet and adds more of an essence, and it's balanced in a cream sauce with fresh herbs, so that also helps kind of tamper down the extreme garlicky flavor. It is one of my favorites. You should really give it a whirl, and I promise you'll be a believer. I'm definitely putting that one on my to-make list. It's a classic. 40 garlic chicken's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Jessica's just kind of tweaked it a little bit for herself. Okay, Jessica, leave yep. us with one thought on your favorite steak from a steer. I always, in classic New York strip, but I like it in cast iron with a nice compound butter. Ah, lovely. So fun. Cooked rare. Cooked rare. Have to be rare. All right, Jessica <laughs> Formicola has been our guest. She has a book out called Beef It Up, 50 Mouthwatering Recipes. For all the things like uh, that we cook at home, right? Stews and roast and beef steaks and ground beef and you name it. So congrats on a fine book and we will talk to you again. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much. All right. Up next, uh, how uh, is uh, Loretta trying to influence her son's diet now that he's eating solid foods and all that uh, compared to maybe what she had when she was growing up? On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right, we're back. It's the Hot Stove Society kitchen show right here on Cairo. My name's Tom Douglas. I'm Loretta Douglas. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do for the company, Loretta, other than bear children for bear grandchildren? For your enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am our managing director, so I kind of oversee uh, the corporate side of the business, mm-hmm. along with E.T., but um, he's really restaurant-focused. So uh, all the fun things, HR, accounting, I'm a lawyer, so I do our leases, mm-hmm. you know, fun, day in, day out. Right day now, I am uh, sitting in with the hot stove uh, team for the next couple months, uh, so I have a desk, and um, also going to help out around here a little more. Yeah, fun. So you get your finger in a lot. Of, it's a restaurant job. It's a restaurant yeah, job. We were talking yeah. about that yesterday. You know, what's the in our company? There's restaurant people, and then we feel like we have to figure out our rub side because we try to force it into the restaurant business and it's just not yeah and pam knows a lot about that because she's been on retail businesses for a long time whether it was um, marketing and selling red hook or uh, marketing and selling theo chocolate it's not a restaurant it's a different no and it's the wholesale piece to the supermarkets and the distribution chain that really is a completely different animal and it's been changing the needs from the retailer so It's, it's I've hard always tried when, to force yeah. it into the restaurant side of it, and it just doesn't work. When we're your restaurant people, you know, I'm often working between one and four lunches a week um, in the restaurants and things like that. It's hard to let go of that 
kind of restaurant first mentality, but it really is a different yeah. animal. That's another whole story. Okay, let's talk about your son. Uh, on company property, topic. On, your, on company property, he's Hercules. In your home uh, and in my wife's home. His name is <laughs> his Rory. Name is Rory. You know, you grew up, we love to tell stories about, you know, the weird lunches that we would send or that the kids at school would wonder, what, what is that weird pot sticker coming out of your thermos or, you know, things that uh, just were maybe not the typical of your classmates. But you also uh, grew up eating what was put in front of you rather than having special meals made for you. That was, there's no doubt about that. Totally. We always had the one bite rule. I always had to try a bite of mm-hmm. everything that was on my plate in front of me. We, you never made me finish my whole plate of food. No, or which is different like than that. when I was growing up, right? If you didn't finish your plate, you didn't get dessert yeah. and blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of Yeah, we pressure. didn't have that. It was just you had to try everything on your plate and... Um, some people, I think, now call it a no thank you bite. You can't say no thank you till you've had your bite. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I know that I went through picky phases, as I think any kid does. But I do think I ate everything from uh, the start. And uh, I didn't feel like I really had a choice but to love food for the most part. So Funny how that goes. Yeah. So when you think about how you grew up in a, in a restaurant baby household, I mean, you spent lots of times at the restaurants themselves. You ate many of staff meals. Uh, how is that affecting how you are bringing up your kid? I mean, we literally sometimes made baby, food when the, like early on, made baby purees for you. Totally. You know, I think it's interesting because there's this whole movement that has been popularized now, baby-led weaning, that's really like replaced purees and um, packaged baby foods and things like that. And and the goal is to just feed your kid what you're feeding yourself. And I think you... Directly from formula, you mean? You go right from that? Yeah, you skip purees pretty much entirely. Uh And, um, you know, we still did some purees and Rory loves a good applesauce pouch here and there. But um, I think in large part, you and mom were doing that before it had a snappy name. You know, I... We have pictures of me as a little kid just gnawing on rib bones and um, fennel stalks and duck legs and things like that. And um, I'm really trying to cultivate that same willingness to try new things and uh, not make separate meals and um, things like that with Rory. You know, fact of the matter is, like, I love mac and cheese. So some nights, we're going to eat mac and cheese, but mm-hmm. we're going to eat mac and cheese because the whole family's eating mac and cheese mm-hmm. and not because I've made You ever a slip box. in anything there to kind of uh, get some veggies into them when you're Well, doing my that? favorite mac and cheese is with uh, peas, and peas and onions. Yeah. So um, if I'm making it for myself, it usually has peas and onions. So um, that's what Rory gets, too. You know, when uh, we have a, a good story about you and your first sentence... Uh, you had know, you had many words, but your first sentence was "Mo poke dadu." My name from by you was Dadu, and we were eating pork ribs, and you had polished a couple off, and then you literally said a sentence for the first time: "Mo poke dadu." Now, Pamela, you invited young Hercules to your house for Christmas Eve supper, which we have every year, and lo and behold, he got a hold of his first bone. And he relished it. Oh, it man. was the he magical moment of the night uh-huh. when he brought that bone. We <laughs> had veal chops for, yeah. for dinner. Veal chop yeah. and it was... He loves food. I mean, it's really fun to watch him take such pleasure in food and trying new things. And I have no doubt that they'll, 
there will be times when he refuses everything in front of him. But uh, yeah. Uh, but for now, uh, while I can influence his eating more because, you know, he's just over one, um, I'm doing everything I can to just give him everything. And it, and it's super fun to, to watch it, it happen. His favorite food right now is salmon. He can polish off an adult size portion of salmon. No problem. He loves it. So that's been fun. Um, he's very he had spot prawns last night. He had spot he prawns last night. Oh, yeah. What else does he love? Ground meat, like breakfast sausage. He eats more breakfast sausage than I can eat and things like that. So mm-hmm. is there a recommendation for nutritional balance for toddlers? The biggest thing with babies um, and and young kids is salt. And so much of what we eat is so high in sodium, I think. And that's one of the problems you run into with like packaged sausage and and things like that. It's just really high in salt. So um, if we're having things like that, I try and balance it out with less salty sides. Um, And I'll like scoop his portion before I go in and really season ours and things like that. But otherwise, it really is just... uh, the same balanced diet that I think most of us try to follow. He's probably is heavier in fruit than the average uh, adult, but uh, for the most part, you know, the goal is just that he eats what we. When you started to learn the value of money, I used to use a trick on you, which you probably remember, which was, I bet you can't tell me what's in this, and so you would taste it, and then I, I would put fifty cents up or a quarter up or whatever. And uh, you would taste it and just literally break it down, which was your mom and I would look at each other like, whoa, that's super weird. What is what's wrong with our daughter? Just going through listing everything that was yeah, yeah. Exactly. Of cinnamon yeah. and maybe not enough butter. Exactly. And, uh, I pretty much lost every time. But it, the, the trick works, right? Because it totally. gets you to not only just eat it, but also to taste it and understand it and think about it. and Understand it, I think, yeah. is the big thing. And I will say one time. Tom Douglas told me I had the best palate in the family, and I've never let him forget it since. But I think it's true. It was for, like five, it. It was for five minutes. <laughs> no, he meant it. Yeah. But I've, it's, I've you know, attributable to things like that of just um, learning about food from a young age more than just enjoying it, but, but knowing about it. Speaking of good and delicious things, our next segment when we come back from the big break... Uh, we're going to dive into some goldfish, Pepperidge Farm goldfish, Julia Child's uh, old favorite snack, and uh, one of the things I've been messing around with down at Seatown. So uh, we're going to talk about goldfish and the brand new Old Bay Goldfish Crackers right here on the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, hour number two coming your way. Don't forget we got a full lineup of interesting topics to discuss, uh, including uh, Pepperidge Farm Goldfish with Old Bay Seasoning. we got a few here to try today. Asparagus Morels, a springtime love story. Uh, we're gonna, last week I asked a question. Do you remember what the exact question I asked was? Wasn't it like if you were here and had a segment to do with us on the show, what would you talk about? Exactly. Exactly. And we have some entries and some winners. Is that right? We're going to announce the winners today. This is very exciting. And did you get a ton of emails? I got eight uh, substantial ones. Eight substantial ones. Others, people just said, I want to win. Yes. Please (laughs) enter me. 
<laughs> Please enter me in the contest. <laughs> We're not doing any of the work. None of the work. Okay, that's didn't just make not going to cut, cut for it. The list. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And then, uh, lastly, we're going to wrap up with Rub with Love Tasty Trivia. My name is Tom Douglas. I'm Loretta Douglas. Sitting in for Mr. Terry Rotoro, the chef in the chapeau. And I think Chef would be really distraught to know that we did a Pepperidge Farm goldfish tasting without him. I know. I feel like my reaction to goldfish is really not going to be up to to Terry's horror that oh, he would normally have. He would have. stomp around. I've never eaten these things before. Like, you know, like he every couldn't time. deign to ever try them, I'm sure. I said you've never you've never driven by a McDonald's and just had the hunger pain and you just pull in through the drive through and He hasn't. Get get a little quarter pounder, maybe some nuggets. It's no. un American. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I miss him. <laughs> I had to sneak this in uh, while he was gone, but it is. It does come to my attention because I follow Food and Wine magazine, and they're very good about talking about popular consumer trends. But what overshadowed this one is now there's a mashup of Ritz crackers and Oreos, half and half. Huh. I saw oh. that. I do not think that I'm no. into that. Well, I think I started it because last summer I started taking goldfish without any inspiration of anybody else. And sautéing them in bacon fat and butter and seasonings with my spice line. Uh, I was you doing, did not invent that. I was. I totally did. Who else did that? Well, with my have, peri peri rub. Well, people have been seasoning pepperidge farm. Not sautéing and bacon fat. You might have invented that. Yeah, yes. Exactly, genius. So we use those on a few things like our chowder and our Caesar salad and blah blah blah. Anyway, so I thought that's what inspired you to bring this. Next thing. No, on. she couldn't even buy those and bring them. <laughs> About a year ago, Old Bay came out with their own hot sauce, and you couldn't find it in the stores. Now, we heard about these Old Bay-flavored goldfish, and so what? how hard was it, Pam, to find these uh, around town? I had to go to three different stores uh-huh. uh, and ended up at Fred Meyer. The one on 85th? They yeah. have a good supply? Good supply. Uh-huh. Um, Not but, after this show. The shelves are going to be wiped out. I thought Met Market, but as I've been hearing more about supply chain issues and during the pandemic when I've been looking for things, the big guys really have the lock on the these pop popular American brands. Yeah, I find too. for the big brands, like you need to get to Fred Meyer or Target yeah. if you want the extended flavor line. Yeah. They're pop-up flavors, Your birthday cake-flavored Oreos, you know, all the things like that. It, it takes the big stores. Yep, they're the ones that get it. Yep. Well, you know, we think, of, uh, we think of these crackers as kind of being kid snacks, but they're really not. They were invented for adults to serve alongside at a cocktail party or something of that nature. And Julia Child used to serve them with a reverse martini, which I just assume, you know, a martini in my mind is the classic recipe is two ounces of gin, or vodka and one ounce of vermouth. So I, I just guessed that it was two ounces of vermouth and one ounce of gin. So what did you find out when you looked it up, Pamela? That she really prioritizes the vermouth. And uh, she does three ounces of vermouth to just uh, three quarters of an ounce of gin so with a big the, lemon peel. The big, thick lemon peel. Mm. So uh, if you want to have the classic version of these, do it with a reverse martini. You won't get quite as drunk quite as fast. <laughs> so, uh, Loretta, we have four types of goldfish here. And, uh, you know, we have a history here at the hot stove of uh, having a hot stove society tasting panel. So you're now 
in charge of the tasting of these fish. The guinea pig. Uh, so uh, let's start with the grossest first, which I think we all decided was the colored. There's a, the colored fish. There's yeah. a red, a green, orange. Colors sourced from plants. I know it says watermelon uh, is part of the coloring process. But they taste different. Like the the dyed goldfish have a different, less pleasing flavor, in my opinion. So the beet ones are, that yeah. are red, have, okay. It's a fail. It's a fail. All right. So then, uh, then we have the pizza spice ones next, which, you know, we just came out with a new pizza spice for our Rub With Love line, and it's quite fantastic. I would rather have Rub With Love pizza spice on my goldfish. <laughs> are you than saying actual... that to be nice to your father? I'm not. You know, <laughs> these came out when I was a kid, the pizza spice ones, I remember, and they were quite popular, and I have never enjoyed them. I think it's like the kind of baky tomato-y addition. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a goldfish purist. Okay, so uh, the next one we have are the Old Spice goldfish. You know, I grew up, unlike you, growing old up here spice. on the West Coast. Old, old Bay. Bay. Old Bay, Not yeah. deodorant goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up on the East Coast of that those formative years, and, and blue crabs with Old Bay were classic and then uh, my favorite potato chip brand back there was called hers they came out with an old bay potato chip and you find it now a little bit here and there uh, and it's uh, mccormick's I think it's gone kind of like hipster popular in a way yeah. old bay well you know old bay was bought by the big spice company mccormick's out of chicago and so they took it national because when i first moved to seattle in 77 I used to, my mom would buy a can of Old Bay at the grocery store knowing I was visiting that I could bring back with me to the West Coast. Yeah, it wasn't readily available. Mm -hmm. It is now. It is now for sure. And uh, what do you think of the Old Bay ones? I don't mind them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're a little punchier than the regular ones. I'm not, I like Old Bay. I'm not the biggest Old Bay fan. You know, we, you have a nephew. I have a cousin that would put Old Bay on every single thing he eats. But I like them. Yeah. Um, Old Bay is heavy on celery seed flavor yeah. and things. I actually have a very weird dislike of uh, celery. I kind of hate it. And so I think it's a little bit celery-y uh-huh. for me. But um, they're nicely seasoned. It's not overpowering. Um, you think they could use a little more? I would definitely double up on the spice on those guys. Because it's just, you know, if you're going to call it Old Bay, it's like calling something spicy that's not spicy. Yeah. You know, it's got a little kick. It's not to me. It's not good enough. Yeah, and then our our last one. What is the what do they call these on the package for the last one? Megabytes. Megabytes. Big of and crispy. Those are actually my favorite of the group. Well, I think it's because the original goldfish flavor is the best. <laughs> yeah, one. but they're they're but, they're airier and crunchier. Yeah, and they're what like maybe two or three times the size mm-hmm. of the original goldfish. I eat a lot of goldfish in my life because. My son, Rory, is obsessed with them, but I normally eat them, you know, when they've been sitting out for like three days in his snack bowl. So they are actually good and crispy and mm-hmm. uh, It might surprise you, nice. but I only eat live goldfish generally. <laughs> I am swallowed a, whole. Just swallowed whole. <laughs> I go to Petco and I Gross. get my goldfish. <laughs> just a joke. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. The uh, megabytes. I love how the company says they were designed specifically to fit adult palates and larger. And larger yeah, yeah, so you can get your big, uh, big <laughs> mitts big around mitts. them. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you want to try the best, go down to Sea Town. Uh, we now sell. They're so popular. We sell bags of our bacon sautéed goldfish. Did you know that? 
I have seen them, yes. Yeah. And they sell, they sell like crazy. So the, uh, du- the, gangbusters. Duck, the duck fat just in a griddle or in the oven? Bacon fat, butter. Oh, bacon. In a saute pan with different... You can't uh, with give my, away the secret recipe. With my, I know, okay, with sorry. With my <laughs> rub of love spices. Mm. <laughs> and so our new restaurant down there, which I can't quite announce yet, but soon, uh, we're going to... Um, I'm not going to say it. Oh, wow. the big tease. Yeah, the big tease. We might use some as a breading for something. Ah. Well, will you answer Terry Benson? I think she asked about what to do with uh, her halibut, and I think a little crust of goldfish. <laughs> a little goldfish you know, I used to... <laughs> Don't ruin your in halibut. My, uh, in my early 20s days, I used to be pretty known for my cheese it uh, chicken tenders. Yes. So I, Gross. No reason you can't use Gross. goldfish the same uh, way. Pam, remind me to answer Terry's question in our I segment will. of... Uh, Listener comments. Yeah. All I right. will. When we come back, it is time for Morels and Asparagus. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right, let's jump back into this here at the Hot Stove Society. If you ever want to come down here and hang out with us while we're taping our show, it's 30 bucks, and you've got a... Dahlia Bakery. I can't even speak today. Dahlia <laughs> Bakery breakfast sandwich. sandwich. I've got too many goldfish on my palate. <laughs> uh, Dahlia Bakery breakfast sandwich, hot cup of coffee. Tickets are 30 bucks. hotstovesociety.com. Pamela, our next segment is um, right up your alley. And uh, you had a dish of the week that inspired this segment about asparagus and morels and all the different springtime vegetables that are popping up right now. It's been such a long winter. And then this cold spring has kind of delayed some, delayed asparagus by three weeks. Uh, so what, did, what dish did you have that inspired this segment? Quintessential summer, uh, springtime happiness. Uh, there's One of Mike's colleagues has a morel connection, so he's been bringing oh. the hookup, the hookup oh. to the store when they're pristine and cobwebby but still firm. And then Washington. Wait, wait, wait! They're pristine and cobwebby. Cobwebby. How do the, those get together? In the structure, comb-like, I think, oh, is okay. the mush, uh, mushroom term for it. Just the texture that picks up all the sauces mm-hmm. with the little holes. Mm-hmm. So I had the great fortune to get those morels, and then Washington asparagus finally made its appearance in the state because of the delay. And uh, I had a pack of fresh tofu. So I've been baking my tofu cubes, but, you know, you get the crispiness when you fry them. So you I did, bake your tofu cubes? I do, I oh do, God. but I, I know that you get the supreme crust on a fry. So I did beautifully fried cubes mm-hmm. of tofu. Uh, breading or no ca- breading? Cornstarch only. Cornstarch. Um, crisped up the morels in butter. Mm-hmm. And added the asparagus at the last minute and served it with fish sauce and soy over soba noodles with beautiful scallions, green onions. Yes, please. That sounds so good. And it reminded me of If you that, do say so yourself. It, it now was. you sound like Terry. You know my taste of the week? I made this last <laughs> night. <laughs> but they say things that grow together go together. Mm-hmm. So you don't find... Asparagus and morels in the same growing environment, but their season is the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the combination is uplifting. Hmm. Have you been able to replicate that? Well, same? I was just thinking, I love fish sauce, but there's a lot of vegetarians out there that won't yeah. eat it. 
And so I was just trying to think what I would use in that place, which would probably be more like a nok chom, lime juice, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of uh, serrano chili. That would be wonderful. Uh, but that also typically has fish sauce in it. So don't they make alternatives? I th- I'm sure I they do. Like they I just don't know a- what it is personally. So. To get that umami flavor mm-hmm. from... Mm-hmm. Maybe some uh, dried shiitake powder or something yes. like that would give you that kind like of... Like a black garlic. Uh, black garlic, yeah. And then if you had a good a good vinegar mm-hmm. in with it, that would, uh, that would replicate it beautifully, I right. think. It brings me to my uh, favorite way to cook asparagus, which many people know is on the grill... But I love the big fat guys, right? Because they, they grill up like a steak. You can get a char on the outside of your asparagus before destroying it by, you know, those little thin ones. Once you, if you get a char on it, they're, they're toast. They're already overcooked. Now, Loretta over here uh, doesn't like fat asparagus. She likes the little thin, I like the thin pencil ones. guys. <laughs> you know, I am a kind of a latecomer to asparagus, mm-hmm. I would say. You it wouldn't was, even eat no, the tips I wouldn't, growing up. I still don't love the tops of them, but growing up, I used to cut off all the tops and give them to my dad, and then I would only eat the stalks. But Peeled? Because he taught me about peeling them. Yeah, I trim them up pretty good. And then on the bigger ones especially, I do peel the bottom so you get rid of some of that toughness. But Yeah, if you don't peel the bottom off, you end up throwing away a third of your asparagus, yeah. which you just paid $5 plus a pound for. So is all you do is you just take a little bit of that peel off at the bottom and they're tender all the way down. Any tips on morels? Uh, uh, in reading about them, you're not supposed to eat them raw. So there is a point. I mean, you really have to... Uh, cook them because you. Pe- I've read that people get sick from eating them raw. The only so, thing that I understand that you can get sick is uh, a lot of times there's worms in them, but just like there are in porcinis or thing, you know, a lot of different mushrooms have worms. So, so do many different fish bellies have worms. That's why that you tend to need to cook fish like halibut or something that are, can be brought up in warmer waters. Uh, you just want to you want to cook that off. But uh, going back to the morels. Uh, if you dunk, dunk them in salt water and get rid of any possible parasite like that, uh, I think then they're fine to eat no matter what. But don't take my word for it. I'm not a scientist. Read up online and, and choose for yourself. I always saute them or roast them. And if you heard earlier like in the show. I feel like morels need butter. To me, yes. they need a little bit of that reduction, yeah. too, because they're just very lightly flavored. And when you roast them. Just like when you roast the shiitake, you intensify the flavor a bit. Concentrates a bit. And they do crisp it up beautifully. Tell them about uh, the one. I I know we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but tell them again about what we did on the sockeye, the Copper River sockeye. Yeah, we ended up just uh, putting them on a sheet tray. Um, I think that... With melted butter or with olive oil? just put olive oil um, with them, and she roasted them on the same pan as some sliced lemons, too, that she was roasting. Uh. And they came out great. They got really crispy. They were small morels, so it they go fast. Um, and then we added them to uh, the butter sauce once they were already crispy. So they kept those nice. Actually, I, I put them on top. You put just put them on top. Yeah. Kept those nice crispy edges. Whereas I think I normally would have sautéed them in the butter sauce. That would be kind of my first inclination. And. Um, Still delicious, but you don't get those nice crispy edges that way. And the other thing that came out crispy was the the roasted lemons, right? They get all brown and caramelized, yeah. and they were a delicious accompaniment. Oddly enough, the strongest flavor on the plate was the roasted lemons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
and served with asparagus. They really are kind of the perfect complement to one another. Mark Snyder, friend of the show, the guy who did our little logo right here for the Tom and Terry show, uh, sent me a, a picture the other day of him foraging for wild asparagus up on Whidbey uh, or Port Townsend, somewhere in that area, and put it made it a wild asparagus salad. And super little thin. Then, you know, that, that size asparagus is when you realize that it's really a grass, right? It's really just this, I don't know, It blew my mind the first time I saw how asparagus grew. I don't know what I was picturing in my head, but it is crazy that they just poke out there. And then our, our friend Connie that's farming asparagus in eastern Washington, she can harvest her asparagus twice a day in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you cut one row down and then by the afternoon she can... And they grow on these big crowns that are in the ground. And the other thing we learned a couple of years ago on this show, which I had no idea, is that once you use up that crown, which is uh, typically a 10 of 13 or 14 year life, um, you can never plant asparagus in that field again. It leaves something in the soil. You can plant strawberries or corn or whatever, but it leaves something in the ground that is you can't do asparagus again in that field. That's crazy. I had no uh, idea. Yeah. I have to read up more on well, that. Well, we should go to our write-in question about what to put with halibut, because I would say your sides should be asparagus and morels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what exactly. are you What are you doing a crust with? And if there's a job you don't want in the eastern Washington farm fields, it's asparagus cutting. Why? That is back-breaking work. I mean, they're out manual. there bent over oh, at their so waist, low. and they're cutting it a little bit below the, the surface of the ground. That's why you get that little white bottom on them. Oh, my, that looks like hard work. So, All right, when we come back, it's time to talk about not only what are we going to do with our halibut, but uh, we had a question out there last week. Was, you had an opportunity to get a segment on this show. What would you want to talk about? And we were offering a prize of an overnight stay here at the Hotel Andra and then a ticket to the Hot Stove Society taping on Friday morning with a Dahlia Bakery breakfast sandwich. So let's find out more about that. Who won? When we come back on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show 97.3 FM. All right, we're back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. You're smack dab in the middle of our two hours that we come to you with every Saturday and Sunday. Thank you for listening. If you can't get us on the weekend live on the air, terrestrial, then go to our podcast anywhere you get your podcast and look us up and uh, or if come out uh, Friday mornings, right, uh, on YouTube. You can watch us live on YouTube. And can people, I know they can watch us live right now on YouTube, like many of you are. Thank you. Hi, YouTubers. But can they look it up during the week and get last week's show or the week before yep. show? Okay, good. Just the added visual that we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. So we asked last week, Pam, about um, our listeners, uh, about what they would want to talk about if they were on the show. I can't remember what spurred that question. Do you? No. Okay, but uh, we did give them your email, and they said send in a, a, a note about what you would talk about in a segment on this show, and why it's why, interesting, and, and why they deserved a night uh, here at Hotel Andra. Right. And, and yeah, so what show. we're offering up is a, a room here at the Andra for a night, and then uh, a, a visit to our show at the taping on Friday morning. So typically, you would come in on a Thursday night and come to the show Friday morning or come to the show Friday morning and stay Friday night. So, Or you could extend it yourself. Absolutely. Make a long weekend out of it. Uh, anyway, uh, we heard from quite a few people, 
And I uh, had to pick, and Loretta, you picked the actual winner, uh, but uh, we're going to save that for to the end of, okay. of this Build segment. the suspense but, as we But go we're going to talk about a couple of the things that people wanted to know. Uh, Tyson Pauletti wants to know what Tom cooks at home that is influenced by Chinese or Thai cuisine. We talked about it last segment. Thai beef salad was one of my favorite things to do. And to kill two birds with one stone, uh, Terry... Benson. Benson asks us what to do with the piece of halibut she's got in her fridge. And I would do something like that, right? I would cut the halibut in a little bit smaller pieces. I don't like big chunks of rare white fish like that. So I would cut it into maybe um, half inch thick by, if, if it's uh, maybe, maybe two inches by half inch thick, and maybe do three of those per person and give those a really quick sear. Do them in cornstarch like you did or just do them plain without any starch. Give those a really quick sear, and then use that instead of steak. I don't, if you if you know what a Thai beef salad is, it's got toasted shallots and uh, uh, lime, Tons of herbs. lime, lots of herbs and cucumbers and tomatoes, and and I would just make that beef salad, and but substitute the halibut for the beef. Is that a fair way to finish? Yeah, that's the kind of thing, Tyson, that I would cook at home. I cook lots of uh, Asian influenced foods. I, I don't know that any of them are authentic. Except for the fact that when I cook them, I like them. And so it's authentic to me. Absolutely. <laughs> I spent years sitting by the doors of Chinese restaurant kitchens just to get a peek to see how they do things because I'm fascinated by the process. Um, when it came to our winners today, I would say I'm going to double up on the prize. We're going to give away two packages today. Oh, wow. You are such a softy. What do you mean? I'm not softy. I'm mean. Everyone will tell you that I'm, I'm mean to Terry. That's what I hear. It's like nonsense. I yeah, love Yeah, that's Terry. why he had to leave the show for a few weeks. That's, <laughs> Take I a break love feelings. that's why we've been doing the show together for 22 years. He seems to love you. I love him. He's the, he's the man. We, we come from very different backgrounds, and so mm-hmm. we always torture each other about that. And... Um, because he has that lovely French accent, I get accused of being the one who's mean. Whatever. You, Pamela, you picked the one um, from Sarah. And she, uh, we heard about this on the podcast, about doing a room giveaway at the show. We'd love to be entered. It's our 16th anniversary, May 27th. And my husband listens to the podcast weekly. Sarah, how come you don't listen? That's today. That's Happy anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary. We've been wanting to come to the show for a long time, just haven't yet. A couple of potential talking points. My husband and I are both Washington natives, but he has some Arabic heritage. So we incorporate a lot of Arabic spices in our cooking. He also is an avid fly fisherman, and I'm sure uh, would love to talk about how invasive eastern brook trout are in our local high mountain lakes. I didn't know that. Me either. An issue. We've got a good topic brook there. Brook trout are a local food source that you can feel good about harvesting. His words. What I loved about this email and why they're going to win one of our two room nights is that it did exactly what we asked them to do <laughs> and what they would discuss and all about it. And I would want to have them on to, to have they're this gonna, conversation. They're going to be with us soon. To have this conversation. And the other one was just a great story. And this came from Jeanette Harris and uh, talked a lot about her last day's uh, of uh, coming to the hot stove in January of 2020 or February 2020 and had planned this big downtown adventure, uh, something they had been looking forward to, taking a class here, doing all those things. And she's a nurse at the Evergreen Hospital up there uh, by Totem Lake. 
uh, Evergreen Healthcare Hospital in Kirkland, which is Totem Lake also. Uh, she got here. She and her husband got here. They were having a great time. They actually came to a class, and their big thing was to come to a class, stay at the hotel, and go to Lola for breakfast in the morning. And as, uh, as she puts it, there was uh, at work where she is an uh, infection prevention specialist. At work, they were getting these cases in the ICU on a, the day or two before of her planned visit here to the hot stove. And uh, they just figured it was a viral flu. And that all came to an end, that thought, when they started testing these patients. And you, if you do look back, you'll see it in the news. And to quote her, that testing happened, and we got the results on February 28th, the night of our special hot stove Christmas present class. We took the class and totally enjoyed it. We went to our room, enjoyed a special bottle of wine. All things were wonderful until I got a phone call on the 29th, which is that same night in the next day's morning. At 3 a.m., her boss called saying, we have a COVID-positive patients, and they needed me ASAP to deal with this new crisis. No wonderful breakfast at Lola, no slow, easy Saturday morning away from all the cares of the normal healthcare world. Now, overnight, the world had changed. Nothing would be the same, and we didn't even know it. Patients needed us. Healthcare workers needed us, and our little department of three were needed to keep everyone safe. And you guys all remember that Kirkland was the epicenter Absolutely. Uh, of the national news, CNN. I mean, everybody was here. What uh, a crazy that, story to yeah. have been here on the eve of. Yeah. So, Jeanette, uh, it's our goal to uh, not only get you the ticket or get you the room night here at the hotel, uh, Andra, uh, to get you another class to enjoy, which is this Hot Stove Society radio show taping. But we're going to throw in breakfast at Lola's <laughs> also so that you can uh, you can kind of relive that memory. Because uh, we know that the healthcare workers around our country and around the world have been putting in double times and yeah. uh, overtimes and every kind of time to try and uh, get through this pandemic. So, Jeanette, uh, thank you for your, your nice story. Uh, thank Sarah, you for your work. You. Sarah, I'll, I don't know how to say it, Al-Mortaji. Thank you. You're our two winners of the Hotel Andra Overnight Package here at the Hot Stove Society Radio Show. Coming up, Loretta, you know that we are going to, uh, every week we do our Rub With Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia. We're going to ask Annie Elmore, because she's like, she's easy pickings. We're going <laughs> to ask Annie. Hardly. We're going to ask Annie to come in and be our third uh, at the for our Rub With Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge. And here's the thing. Don't embarrass me. You know, I've done Tasty Trivia a time or two on the show before, uh and I'm nervous. You're nervous. So there's two ways you can embarrass me today. One is kicking my butt. Just wipe the floor with you. Wipe the floor with me. Secondly, not get any right. Okay. That just, that reflects bad on me. Well, when we take the next break, Pamela's going to give me a couple answers (laughs) under the table. All right. That's uh, that's when we come back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo 97.3 FM. All right, here we go. It's time for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia right here on the Hot Stove Society Show. I'm Tom Douglas. I'm Loretta Douglas. And we're joined by Edna Mode, better known as Annie Elmore, right here. Our trivia today is brought to you by Rub With Love, my family of spice blends, sauces, and mustards that belong in your pantry. These condiments will help you create a distinctive flavor 
in any dish you are creating. Have fun mixing and matching them on your veggies and your proteins. Uh, Rub with Love is found in your local grocery stores like Metropolitan Market and PCC and Sprouts. And if you're listening in the Palm Springs area, please visit one of the three Jensen's locations. Uh, The Palm Desert Ace Hardware also has it. And Borrego Outfitters. How, how did you pick Palm Springs today to, to feature? Says, Carol all the snowbirds these. are now back in Seattle. <laughs> they right. should have stayed, man. Tell us how to uh, play the game and who's going to win today. Since we have no audience members. I've got um, five questions for each of these three intelligent participants. And uh, the one that gets the most right is, of course, the winner. And the prize today is going to be the two new spices, uh, taco spice and pizza spice. And I'm going to send to Terry, even though it won't be time for her to get it on her halibut. But I think it'll spark some creativity. And Loretta's going first. Taco spice on the halibut. Taco would spice. Be, that taco it's really spice citrusy. So and, yeah, that would be yeah. brilliant. Number one, what's, which state has chosen morels as the state mushroom? Hint. The state starts with M. Yeah, yeah I do. I need it. Thank you. She is the godmother of Loretta. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to say Maine. <laughs> From Minnesota. Oh. <laughs> They're very proud. The M word right? Yep. <laughs> there were a lot more M's than when I was going yeah, through Yeah, I was like, head. uh... Not super in 1984, helpful. they recognized morels as their Are there a lot of morels growing in Minnesota? <laughs> Number two. There are. No, I'm just worried that we only have a two-hour show here. Please okay. describe a scotch egg. <laughs> oh, a scotch egg is a egg wrapped in ground sausage meat and deep fried. It's a Scottish delicacy. Correct. Is it? Yeah. I wonder if, so you saw it in St. Andrews when you were there? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Does the United States, number three, does the United States have the world's highest standards for baby formula? It does not. (laughs) I could go on a whole thing. It's been on my mind as uh, with the news. So you use a goat milk baby formula, right? Caprita? We do, but we've always used European formulas uh, because they have stricter ingredient standards than U.S. formulas. Which international cuisines use rose water for flavoring? Rose water. Uh, Moroccan? Yep. Uses a lot of rose water. Sometimes yeah, can it, I go just to Algeria? Sometimes at <laughs> Thanksgiving we... North Af- so yeah, so I'd say North African, Spain? You're in, you're in the right... You were Am going in the, in the right region. Middle East, India, Middle Eastern, China. yeah. So we're giving you that one. Great. And finally... Uh, can we vote on that? No. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Number five, how does an air fryer work? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> okay, don't ask me that question. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a tiny convection oven, essentially. It's doing the same thing that your home convection oven would do, which is circulating hot air, but on a much smaller scale. So it gets hotter faster, and it gets things crispy. Smaller scale, but the RPMs of the fan is higher. Higher, yeah. yeah. Four out of five. Great show. Wow, you guys are going Loretta down. Loretta loves her air fryer. <laughs> I know that. Annie Elmore. Air fryer. Yeah. Oh, I use, it, I use it every day. Her godmother set her up for that one. <laughs> Number one, where did the Camayon feast uh, originate, and what is a dish you would enjoy? Uh, 
Yep. Tell them one of the things you're going to make on the 18th when we have our Kameyan feast. <laughs> All right. Uh, eggplant omelet. Yep. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Filipino dish. I'm not making my own, but there is a grocery store that makes delicious one of that. Uh, you make some, a lumpia? Yes, yes absolutely. Lumpia. And fried fish. Uh, that is a solid yes for you. Uh, number three, <laughs> what dishes use lemongrass as a seasoning? <laughs> Asia? <laughs> Name a specific yeah, sure. dish. Lemongrass chicken? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that your favorite one? Oh, yes. The lemongrass? Oh, yeah. Um, please describe I think this. I'm going to walk out of here. <laughs> Spanish. And Mexican dish, arroz con polo. Uh, that is chicken and rice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Um, what meal period is the most popular for eating congee, and what are popular toppings? Uh, breakfast. Yep. What um, is congee? It is a rice porridge. Yep. Favorite toppings are green onions, uh, fried shallots, Either eggs fried or poach, uh, some sort of protein that you preferred. Fermented greens, it's also ideal on that too. Or daikon, yeah. yeah. I love the dipping the fried donut. The fried oh, yeah. donut also the is fried the best donut. part. My yeah. favorite on congee is the spicy chili crisp. I love that. Yeah. They said Crunch. sesame seeds a lot too, which I would be a great addition. Yeah. Annie and Loretta are tied four out of five, four Mr. Out of five. Douglas. Wow. Woo. Can't imagine why they got that many. Miss <laughs> 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 Number one. One. When was eating tongue considered a patriotic act in the United States? During World War Two. You're awesome. Number two. I, a I see his iPad is open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the food shortage problem in Europe, Americans were asked to make a lot of sacrifices, and one was to eat parts of the animals that we normally wouldn't eat. But I, keep, I remember now that you are a good history buff. What is the name of the fermenting catalyst known as Japanese yeast? You know this. Probably miso is my guess, but uh, there's a lot of Japanese yeast. Oh, uh, Koji. Exactly, yeah. koji made from beans or grains that have been inoculated with the mold aspergillus. Yes. Aspergillus. He got stranded on an island <laughs> a long time ago. Number three, the elegant New York restaurant, the Quilted Giraffe, popularized the dish Beggar's Purse. Can you please describe this appetizer? It's a crepe that's uh, wrapped around, I can't remember what else, and there's a little... They use a chive or a garlic chive or a regular chive to make the bow. Spectacular. You didn't even know what was in it. <laughs> yeah, 0. 0.5, I think. <laughs> he stood up. That's my daughter. Salt. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's the pleated crepe, chive wrap, caviar, creme fraiche. Caviar, creme And I think you should make those for me. Yeah, no kidding. Um, what is Benny Shoga, the bright red garnish served on many Japanese Dishes made from salted plum, ginger, <laughs> <laughs> bright red. Yes, bright they use, red. They use a lot of red dye number two in that. And finally, what vegetable family is Cavolo Nero from? The horse family. <laughs> <laughs>
It's our favorite kind of kale. Uh, I'm the loser. Congratulations! Woo! I thought Kavala was horse. It's not. Congratulations to uh, Terry. Yes, Terry Benson. Terry Benson on winning the prize today. Uh, it will be delivered to your home once we find out what your address is. <laughs> and uh, if you want to be like Terry and be a winner, you can listen to our show on Cairo every week, 97.3 FM. Uh, the show is produced by Pamela Hinckley, Sean McFadden, and our editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. And remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.